welcome to another Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. We got a lot to cover today. I'm going to be talking about the cursed sales that is now live, as well as what we now understand about how this campaign is going to work and how the community seems to be taking it. All that and more. First up on today's docket, we are at patch 1.2.0 this week, which starts the curse sales. This is a three-week campaign, and currently there are a few issues with this content update, namely skeleton forts and the kraken those are currently disabled for the time being we're not entirely sure if those are going to be coming this week as the patch rolls in that will give us a bell on the main deck for the brigantine ye come seeking adventure in salty old pirates eh sure you've come to the proper place but keep a weather eye open mates and hold on tight with both hands there be cursed skeletons ahead, and Davy Jones waiting for them what don't obey. And mark well me words, mateys. Dead men tell no tales. Everything about this episode is going to be labeled under spoiler. If you're concerned with hearing something that you haven't experienced, now is the time to hit pause and come back after you've tried this content for yourself. Although... What I may have to say may just save your pirate's life. So, pirates, ye've been warned. So, last episode, I went through and covered all the different things that were coming with Cursed Sails. Now that it's live, I want to talk about what to expect as well as spoilers for the lore quest line. How to find what you need and how to maximize your time on the seas. First off, each outpost has a banner explaining the in-game dates that skeleton ships will be active. Each in-game hour is one minute. Each day is 24 minutes. Each sea is active two times a day for four hours each time. In the USA, Eastern Standard Time, the Ancient Isles are going to be active between midnight and 4 a.m. as well as noon to 4 p.m. The Wilds will be active from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. The Shores of Plenty are going to be active between 8 a.m. and noon and 8 p.m. to midnight. For the UK, the Ancient Isles are going to be active from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. and from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. The Wilds will be active from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. And, of course, the Shores of Plenty are going to be active from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. and 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Now, because the times are cycled this way, there are only a few windows of opportunities for players with busy lives to get access to certain battles. To cope with this problem of players being unable to experience each battle, Rare will be cycling each battle area so that the same four-hour ti four time window will eventually have a different zone available. This means if you were only able to make it to the wilds this week, next week at the same time we'll have either the Shores of Plenty or the Ancient Isles as a battle zone. Since this is the second major content release since launch, 
Rare is keeping close tabs on how the community feels about the implementation. They've tried to compensate for these unforeseen issues and will take the feedback into consideration for the Forsaken Shores. That being said, the community seems to be really up in arms about this, and rightly so. There's only so much time in a day, and a lot of the time that some of these areas are active are during times when most people are sleeping, which really cuts it down on the amount of opportunities you're going to have to experience certain ships that have certain curses. And I'll be getting into a little bit more of some of the curses that we've experienced this week. Actually, you know what? I'll go ahead and do that right now. The different curses that you're experiencing this week are the uh, Grog Cursed Cannonballs, the Dancing Cursed Cannonballs, and then the Rudderlock Cursed Cannonballs. So those are going to be leaving this week's patch. We'll probably be getting some different ones. Uh, I know for sure. I think one of them is the anchor down and the break the leg one. And then there's a treacherous uh, bounty. No, yeah, treacherous bounty, which I'm not sure what that is. I think we might be fighting each other because a treacherous uh, act is a act of treason. The only person that you could be treason, treasoning that you can't already kill is your own your own crewmates. And a bounty could be a bounty skull. Maybe your crewmates' bounty heads, heads for a bounty. I'm still kind of working that way. We'll find out soon. Anyway, as far as replayability, I have enjoyed going in with different crews and different ship types to experience these battles. Each one has been unique and challenging. The difficulty spike is definitely there if you're not able to partner up with other crews. Much like the Hungering Deep, you need to go into these fights fully stocked and stay in the area to keep them from despawning. Each battle you go into will start off with one skeleton ship. This is the tutorial for what to expect or, or what is to come. You'll need to pick up on the ship's maneuverability as well as its cursed cannonball mechanic and how best to deal with it. After the first wave, you'll deal with four more waves of skeleton ships, each wave spawning two ships to deal with, and the last wave having a skeleton captain. You must sink all ships in this to get the skeleton chests and skulls, which is actually a fairly amount of reward. You get four chests and four skulls. The skulls and chests are equal to what you would expect from a stronghold uh, skull and chest from a skeleton fort, but there's four of them. Namely, if you want to get all of them, you're going to have to solo this or betray other people in your alliance. But generally, when you're in an alliance, you'll probably want to split this up to get the reputation and rewards for them. Currently, reputation and rewards in alliances are set up that the person turning in the item gets 100% of the rep in gold. The alliance members get 50% of that. So it's in your best interest to turn in as much as you can so that you get 100% of this, which leaves open the opportunity for players to betray others in the alliance to try and be greedy, to try and get that 100%. Or they can be satisfied with the 50% and try to split up the loot evenly so everyone gets an equal share. I'll talk a little bit more about my experience with alliances later in the show. Every ship does have some random bits of loot on them, but getting them will be tough. The ships themselves are a challenge when boarding and expect to die swiftly and often. 
Each skeleton has a blunderbuss and won't hesitate to stop what they're doing to shoot you in the face, even if you're just climbing the ladder to get on. You can't stop the ships, but you can impede them by killing the captains or disabling the cannons by killing the cannoneers. To sink the ship, you can use any, any of the same means you would to sink any other ship, but beware, they will instantly spawn skeletons to repair any holes made in the hull. Having someone on board to kill the skeletons below deck will help sink them faster, but at the cost of losing a deckhand aboard your ship. This is how the skeletons will beat you if you're not careful, and use clear communication with your crew. While normal cannonballs will sink your ship, you won't be able to repair or bail if too many people are dead or aboard the skeleton ship when cursed cannonballs hit. Right now, the worst curses are the dancing and grog balls. It's hard to fix a ship when you're filling your bucket with vomit instead of water, or you stumble too far back from finishing planking up a hole in your hull. With the grog ball, at least you still have some control over your character. This is not the case with the dancing curse, which will cause your character, your pirate, to dance for what feels like 10 seconds or an eternity if your ship is sinking. The current third curse is kind of a breath of fresh air in comparison to the player disabling curses. The wilds will have your ship turning radius severely reduced, but you can still control the anchor, cannons, and sails, allowing you to evade a ship if it's getting ready to unleash a broadside. With all this being said, it's not impossible for one ship to finish five waves of nine total ships, but it is a war of attrition. If you've already been fighting these skeleton ships, you'll notice that they have the same supply barrels as you do, just in different locations, and there are always temporary barrels floating in the engagement area that you can use to resupply. Keeping your sails trimmed will help you with turning and getting more shots in on a skeleton ship, but at the cost of being more vulnerable to getting hit while disabling cannonballs. Right now, there are a few bugs that I've noticed with these cursed ships. Some of them aren't spawning with crews, which makes the fight a lot easier, though takes away from the actual experience. While some of the cursed ships right now have had a tendency to get stuck on the rocks out in the middle of the ocean, for some reason they seem to be ramming into them and then trying to turn into them even more, causing damage. And it doesn't feel like a very natural movement for a ship. But this is all coming off of the idea that they are AI ships and skeletons aren't exactly the most brilliant creatures in Sea of Thieves. So they may not be that good for those reasons. Good luck with these battles as they take a while to complete and even more time to get pre prepped for. That being said, I want to touch on a topic I've been concerned with for a while. Rare respecting player's time to play. As it stands, each ship spawns with the same number of resources. If you lose your ship, you respawn with a new ship and the same number of resources. When you start up, there is almost always a ramp up period for going out on a voyage. Most players will run around an outpost gathering up supplies for their journey. This is even more apparent during campaigns as players must go into a fight with more supplies than during a normal engagement just to survive. Something even Andrew Preston was concerned with during a Mixer LFG stream last week that I'll be talking about later in the episode. While there are plenty of ways to gather resources, 
it takes away from experiencing the game. They can't send you off on a voyage with no resources, but you're meant to get more as you go along so that in a battle, if you have more supplies, the chances of you losing is reduced. It also helps you cope with the ever-growing presence of AI threats. Speaking of AI threats, while the number of threats has increased, our base stock has not. This means more time foraging for supplies and less time engaging with the world. Since most voyages can't, can't be completed in less than 30 minutes, you have to commit an hour or more to do some of the higher level voyages or in this instance, a campaign battle. This is even more painful when you lose a ship within the first couple waves due to an unlucky string of cursed cannonballs disabling your crew for 30 seconds with four holes in a ship that has one deck. Hypothetically speaking, of course. The change I'm suggesting would start crews off with double the normal supply base for a freshly spawned ship into a server cutting down the number of resources desired and having to take extra trips to sunken ships and or skeleton forts. If the ship is lost in battle, the new ship would spawn with the standard number of supplies to ensure that returning ships that are lost in a PvP scenario wouldn't come back at an unfair advantage. Rare needs to take into consideration the increasing number of players becoming Pirate Legend as well, looking to run Athena's Fortune Voyages that can take anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour for speedruns and upwards of two to three hours for a full run with one ship. Now, I know some of you will suggest that Pirate Legends shouldn't have things made easier for them or that alliances will help offset the amount of time needed to get each voyage complete. And those are always options, but not every crew will want to share their loot or have to deal with betrayal to get their treasure back from allied ships. This comes down to reducing the time spent gathering resources and buffering the way to Forsaken Shores. And the reason I bring this up is because Mike Chapman has already stated that players looking to venture into the Forsaken Shores will need to prepare themselves for the trip as it will be harder than anything currently in the Sea of Thieves. With that in mind, let's make sure that players don't feel obligated to find 100 bananas, 100 planks, and 200 cannonballs each session just to experience new content. With time-restricted content and curse sales, I think this is a good time for Rare to have an internal conversation about how long each play session should ideally be for a crew. And if future content will cause these sessions to be extended due to resource management. Looking back at all of the quality of life improvements Rare has done for the game, this is a simple change that I think will keep combat balanced as players will still only carry the same amount of resources on them and respawn with the original amount of supplies if they lose their ship, something that should be a penalty. Right now, the only downside to losing your ship is the time spent traveling back to where you were and any loot that you had on board. Alright, next up on today's docket, I've aired my grievances and I'd like to spoil the Wanda storyline by explaining where you have to go and do and how I felt about the journey. In short, I'm just gonna put this out there right now. I love this. It was shorter than I expected, but the story was clear and the clues were vague enough that I enjoyed searching around different islands to uncover the next one. While we may not have paid much attention to Wanda prior to curse sales, it makes sense why she is so discontent with her status in the Sea of Thieves. 
Now that the Warsmith is out there raising skeleton crews to take over the outposts, we have a tie-in to the main character from the book, Tales from the Sea of Thieves, Captain Flameheart. We learn from a combination of journals scattered on Mermaid's Hideaway, Thieves Haven, and Sunken Grove that Wanda somehow found one of Captain Flameheart's cannons, suggesting that she knows the location of the Silver Blade, Captain Flameheart's ship. While she wasn't able to sell the cannon itself, she melted it down with the help of Salty to craft the cursed cannonballs. She was denied the ability to sell them by the outpost's authorities, which Wanda believes was influenced in their decision by the Order of Souls. After being rejected, she abandoned the outpost and retreated to a laboratory hidden in the rock facings of Wanderer's Refuge a fitting name for her to hide out at. Before finding her laboratory, you'll have to consult with Salty over at Crescent Isle, though. He'll be your main means of finding those journals as you discover that the curse has taken away almost all of his humanity, leaving him a cursed skeleton parrot. Whether he stays at Crescent Isle is still unknown, but whatever happens, I hope there's some peace for him, or at least a cracker. Now that Captain Flameheart has been mentioned in-game, it's only a matter of time before we start to uncover the whereabouts of his ship, or eventually the cursed captain himself. And I can't wait to find out what's going to happen. We've seen some in-game footage of what he could look like, and with the trailers, plus the book, and the Athena's Fortune coming out later this month, or excuse me, not till October actually, coming out in October, I'm getting ahead of myself, I can't wait to find out what kind of stories are going to be untold in the Sea of Thieves explaining just what happened to all of the people that we've been reading about from now until October when we find out more about Athena's fortune, what that ship is, what happened to it, where the pirate lord came from, and why there's a ghostly tavern full of people that we don't know except for Blind Bob thanks to the Golden Banana Quest way back in, I believe it was April. Was it April? Gosh, it feels like forever ago. Anyway, let's get on to Captain's Log. Captain's Log. Myself, CJ, and Mike, or Super Pack and Ors Blue Fog, have decided that we're going to take a newly commissioned brigantine out to the wilds to investigate the skeletal hordes that are amassing east of Marauder's Arch. Just like any other battle, we spent quite a bit of time actually going out and gathering resources to ensure our victory. Well, all was for naught. It didn't take long for us to get into battle when we realized that there was another sloop out there already trying to do battle with some of these ghostly ships filled with skeletal beasts. And eventually, the sloop, after making an alliance, decides to sail away, licking their wounds over at Marauder's Arch. We go in, we try to do battle, and... Every once in a while, something would happen. We would either get hit with a couple cursed cannonballs and start dancing, and the hull would begin to fill, and we'd lose a ship. We weren't going to give up. We would get a brand new ship, we would start to stock it on our way back up to Marauder's Arch, and we would begin the fight again, trying to take down galleon after galleon of skeletal ships. It's tough. And I'm pretty sure we've lost more ships than I can count. But we finally get to a point where we spawn on Smuggler's Bay, way over in the shores of Plenty. It's a long, long, 
trip. But we do manage to get quite a bit of supplies on the way as we go. Eventually, we start making our way into the wilds. And as we do so, we pass Old Faithful Isle. And this is when we had a moment of clarity. We see a galleon out there with the wild sails, shooting towards the island, shooting a lot at the island. It seemed odd because some of them were shooting in the opposite direction of the island. And we couldn't quite understand why they were firing in both directions. But regardless, they are a galleon crew and we do need the help. So we start to sail over to Old Faithful Isle. And as we get close, I let them know we are here as friends and that we want to look to make an alliance with them. We want them to join us in the skeletal fight over at Marauder's Arch because the skeletons have taken a crate of sugar, a very near and dear crate of sugar of mine. And I want to get it back. I want the crate of sugar back. It's precious to me. It's also very sweet. So they agree. They say that, well, they may not be the best pirates in the game. They do want to actually help us. And with the agreement and the alliance formed, we decide to set sail back over to Marauder's Arch. And they don't quite follow us. Uh, we make it past the skeleton fort that's inactive right now and start making our way closer and closer to the area where the skeletal ships are still swarming. The sloop, however, is still gathering resources and licking their wounds, preparing for their next attempt on the skeletal ships. And we start receiving coin. We're getting gold, but nobody's turning anything in. We look around, we check our map, and we realize the galleon that we've commissioned to help us and join our alliance is now actually turning in all of their loot, obviously to reduce the liability of them losing anything in case they sink. Smart on them, can't blame them. And eventually we are left fighting these skeletal ships alone for a while, and it's pretty tough and we're running through supplies quicker than we can imagine. It's at that point we finally have the galleon coming to help. When they reach the area, they begin engaging with the skeletal ships, and everything seems to be working out really well. Meg comes, Meg goes. We start hanging back a little bit more, and it's at this point that I start to notice that there's an opportunity here to be pirates. It's the beginning of an alliance. We don't really know each other, and we haven't communicated much. So do they really deserve all of the loot? No. Do they deserve a share of the loot? Maybe. Will they get all of the the loot? We'll see. Safe out of distance from earshot, I let my crew know that we are going to betray this alliance, that we are going to take that loot for ourselves, and we're going to do so in such a way that it feels like it was a natural accident. As the waves come and go, we start taking down skeletal ships. We begin using barrels to resupply and stock up for the eventual betrayal. It's at this point that the skeletal wave spawns, and as it comes out, CJ mentions that we should probably have the captain's ships down before we try to betray these guys, because we'll probably want to have to fight just them and not the skeletal ship as well, as we may risk our ship as a result. I agree. But as the last fights start to engage, we begin shooting towards the, the captain's ship while I start lobbing shots into the galleon and into the sloop. The sloop actually goes down as a result of my efforts, as well as the, the ghostly ships. The skeletal ships take down the sloop. The solo slooper is now dead and far away, and it's down to one skeleton ship, the galleon, and ourselves. The battle wages on, and as we continue to go forward, we start to accidentally ram into the galleon. We're trying to punch holes, we're trying to get water, we're trying to run their supplies deep, and as we do this, we're using the stocks that we had gathered 
Eventually, we manage to get the skeleton ship down, and as it's sinking, you can hear the rejoice, the gleeful cheers coming from the galleon as they're excited. They're going to be getting their plunder. They're going to be getting their chests, their skulls, the things they've been trying to get this whole time. It's at this point that I look at my crewmates, and with a silent nod, we begin to slowly sail around the backside of the ship, and we start punching holes into her hull. One after one, they start screaming at us, calling us names, saying everything they can possibly think of to anger us. In outrage, they're yelling words at us, and I let them know the word they're looking for is pirate. It's at this point we pull up on their starboard and begin to shoot at them, but some of them have managed to get to their cannons and are starting to return fire. I get over to their ship and I start to kill them. One after one, they fall to their knees and send their way to the ferryman. Some of them manage to get on our ship, and because of some of the hulls, they manage to kill my crewmates. I'm alone on the galleon and their screams saying that the ship is going down. I'm a little upset. I'm concerned. We've worked so hard for this loot and I don't want to lose it to this crew. It's ours. It's mine. I want my sugar. In a moment of hesitation, I forget to eat a banana, and as a crewmate of theirs comes back from the ferry, he manages to get a lucky shot off, and he grazes my head, taking me out. On the ferry, the damned, I sit in contemplation. Our ship is sunk. My crew is dead, and we don't know where we're going to come back. When we come back, I look around and I realize two things have happened. One, the alliance was never broken. And two, because of that, our ship is spawned very close. It's at Galleon's grave, and we're not very far from where the fight took place. We grab a handful of supplies, jump on the ship, raise our anchor, and set sail for Marauder's Arch. It's at this point, the Galleon has probably had enough time to recoup and start gathering up the loot. But we've taken too much of their time. The skeletons have respawned. They've come back, and they're starting to attack the Galleon. One ship starts pummeling shot after shot into this Galleon, and they're trying to gather the loop and make their way. The sloop, the sloop that we sank, is starting to make its way back to Marauder's Arch in a hopeful chance that it will get some sort of plunder out of all of this. In the time that he spent trying to kill these skeleton ships, the Galleon is now making its way northwest, around the top side of Marauder's Arch and towards Old Faithful Island. As we lay chase, the skeletal ship goes back to Marauder's Arch, waiting for the next contenders. Seeing that the we're chasing the Galleon, the sloop begins to piece things together. The Galleon betrayed us. They break the alliance, and the chase is on. One after one, the Galleon tries to send crew members to our ship to drop our anchor. Every once in a while, they manage to hit it. But with a couple lucky shots and some good luck, they don't sink us. They don't drop our anchor. We are still chasing them. But they're a Galleon. We're a brigantine. We may be fast, but we're not faster. Their sails are sloppy, and ours are very tight. We're keeping ourselves close to them, but eventually the wind changes and they catch all their sails. They're starting to pull away, and the sloop is calling out that they're sorry. They're low on supplies, but they're trying to help us out. They know the galleon has the loot, and they want some of it too. It's at this point we decide to cut in deep and head towards Sanctuary Outpost. They're trying to skirt the outside of Sea of Thieves before the Devil Shroud, but we're going to cut in and try and get ahead of them. When they realize this, they start to make a break for Sanctuary Outpost, and because of the wind, they're able to pull ahead of us. I know what they're planning on doing. They're trying to get some of that loot off of the ship and into the vendor. They're trying to make their way to the Gold Hoarder in Order of Souls so they can get their coin and go. I don't know that this is going to work. I grab a cannon. I aim it upwards towards the outpost. I double check, and I crawl inside. I fire myself out onto the island, and I land Ten feet behind three men carrying a skull each. I pull out my eye of reach and I snipe one in the back. I jump forward and I slash him. 
finishing him off. The skull dropping out of his dead head, rolling on the ground, covered in blood. The other two men, not daring to look behind them, continue on the path, but they've made the wrong choice. I cut across the water, up the sandy beach, and I head them into the Order of Souls tent. One man barely reaches out and hands the skull to the maiden. She accepts it, knowing that the coin and the contract is fulfilled. They've received their loot for that. I slice him down, and the other man shoves me aside as I'm cutting his crewmate and turns in his skull. He turns around and pulls out a blunderbuss and tries to get a shot off. I take a couple bullets into the shoulder, turn around and stab him in the gut. I swing around his side and lay into his back with my cutlass. All three men are dead at my feet and I run over to the place where I killed the first man, pick up the bloodied skull and turn it in. It's at this point that the sloop is probably rejoicing. The galleon has broken the alliance, but we are still allied with them and they've just received 50% of that. Realizing that the battle is not done, I head out to the nearest mermaid who will teleport me back to my ship. When I get back to my ship, I realize a couple things have happened. Or's Blue Fog, Mike, has somehow managed to catch up with Chris, with CJ, to get to the galleon. They've dropped the anchor, they've killed the captain, and they've sunk the galleon. All of our loot is laying there in the water. Four chests and one skull. We gather up the loot, and at this point, I realize that it's time. We have one chance to get all of this loot. Does everyone deserve it? No. So I tell CJ and I tell Mike, as much as this sloop may want this loot, they do not deserve it. It is hours and hours alone. I climb up to the crow's nest and I break our alliance. The galleon, who had earlier broken their alliance, has respawned who knows where. We never see them again, but we decide to head down to Golden Sands Outpost and we turn in our ill-gotten gains for quite the profit. We may not have gotten all of it, but we got the hefty portion, and that's the important part. We decide to say goodbye to our ship as we scuttle it and watch it sink into the distance, waving goodbye. And this is about the time that we decided to head down into the Pirate Legend Tavern for a healthy drink. I'm not sure how many we had, but... We may have gotten a little ahead of ourselves. What feels like eight drinks later and a major hangover, we decide to head back up from the tavern and look out to see if maybe the galleon had come back looking to see if they could do battle. Ready for a fight, we head out and see that no one is there. In fact, the sloop is still over at Sanctuary Outpost, sitting there, probably drinking in sorrow, knowing that all of their time was wasted. Still a little inebriated, we decide we're going to head out to the mermaid and see where our new ship is. After teleporting to our brigantine, we realize that we're at Snake's Snake Island, and we're happy to find out that Snake Island is very welcoming. We manage to wander around a little bit and find ourselves with a lot of treasure. And the thing that kind of sticks out to me, the thing that I want to believe is, well fate if you believe in that sort of thing maybe you do maybe you don't but i happen to find a chest of sorrows and i'd like to think that it represents the tears that those pirates must have been shedding in their galleon far away after losing all of that precious loot Last item on today's docket, I want to go over the Sea of Thieves Mixer LFG stream that happened this last week. We had Mike Chapman and Andy Preston sit down with the Mixer LFG guys and play Curse Sales for a little bit. I think they went a little over an hour. There was a lot of action in it, but there was also some answers to some of the questions that we've been asking. So I wrote down some of the things that I thought was interesting. Some of this is going to be older information now that uh, Curse Sales is actually out and we actually have more info about how that actually works. 
but I'm gonna go through and see if I can get the best bits out of it. So first up, clothing dyes. They don't really have any plans right now to introduce uh, dye systems for clothing. They are looking to build out a more, more cosmetics that are a variety and distinct visually so that not everything looks the same and they don't focus on just doing recolors. They also wanted to keep benefits away from clothing and keep them as something that talks about the stories that you've had. They don't want to give you a reason to wear a certain type of clothing because it gives you a perk that you feel you have to have and restrict what your character looks like. They want to make sure you look however you want to look. Uh, one of the suggestions for Forsaken Shores, a new shanty for when we get the rowboat, row, row, row your boat. Makes sense. They did say that more emotes and more shanties are coming. They're looking at the timing uh, for next week's ships, which we found out is uh, something that they're actually changing. Uh, let's see. They they deliberately decided to make the alliance numbers uh, 100% for someone who turns something in and then 50% for whoever else is in the alliance for experience and gold to add the element of uneasiness between crews, which I played to our advantage. So that was the main reason why you would want to break the alliances, to make sure that you always get the 100%. The bell on the main deck for the Brigantine will be coming this week in the, the patch update, as they'll probably be adding some other bug fixes. Uh, apparently, there's a Viva Piñata cave painting out in the Sea of Thieves. I don't know what this is in reference to. I know it's a game, but I don't know what cave painting they're talking about. They are very happy with the Brigantine layout. And Mike asks that people give it time. And it took me at least eight hours to get used to. Uh, I played the first eight hours, the, the launch of Curse Sales. And by the end of it, I still I finally started to feel comfortable with how the Brigantine feels. And I actually kind of like it now. It's a, a really good mix. It fits uh, two people and it fits three people even better. They, they want to prioritize new content, but they do want to activate some of the other skeleton forts out in the world. So right now we have the, the three main ones. Uh, they want to make sure that those other ones do get active at some point. They just don't know when. And they want to make sure that new content comes before they go back and, and introduce those other skeleton forts. Uh, Mike says that he will not rest until he gets a pet monkey, which is great because that's something that I think a lot of us want is pets. And as it's a microtransaction, the few of us that really love this game and support it are willing to spend the money to support the game to make sure that we get these feature contents uh, releases. They, let's see, do, 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 do. Oh, capstans. The thing that you push to get the anchor up, that's a capstan. Uh, there is dialogue over in Daggertooth with the shipwright mentioning that capstans are coming, ca custom capstans. But they, <laughs> she also mentions that the pirate lord will not let her put a mega cannon on any of the ships. So she's going to try and sneak it on hers. I don't know what a mega cannon is, but that sounds awesome. But when we are getting the custom cannons, uh, capstans will be part of that as well. I'm assuming we'll also be getting um, the helm wheel as well as part of that. But there's been no confirmation of that. But yes, custom capstans and custom cannons are coming. Uh, there will be quest lines coming for Pirate Legends. Thank you. 
I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking for something to do with my pirate legend other than Athena's because those are painful sometimes. Future releases will be expanding stuff for pirate legends to buy, which is good. That's a good gold sink. Uh, I'm looking forward to ghostly weapons. I've mentioned in a previous episode that I want ghostly weapons that are in the uh, actual art book. That'd be great. Um, Rowboats. I'd always wondered how they were going to attach. We knew that we were going to be finding them out in the world. I wanted to know how they'd attach. They will dock on the back of ships. Cool. The San Diego Comic-Con footage will be available very soon. Uh, I asked if there would be another podcast episode for the rare, rare made Sea of Thieves Tavern talks, or if they should just hire me. Uh, Mike laughed a lot and then said that there should be another episode soon. I guess that means I don't have a job there yet. I was blamed for sword combat questions not getting answered, for lulling too much in chat and pushing the chat up. That's always nice to be blamed for that. Uh, they discussed island design to showcase new mechanics, uh, rowboats being used to explore new islands. So what that means is uh, when, when they're developing new islands, they're always taking into account new mechanics and how to best showcase those. So in the essence of a rowboat, uh, they, they want to make sure that they develop islands that give you something to do with a robot, to sail into like little alcoves or down channels to explore new areas so that you can load up uh, loot easier and then uh, kind of row it back out to the main island area. So they are taking a look at that. Um, they are looking to add more customization for pirates so you don't have to re-roll. This is something that goes way, 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 way back. If you listen from the beginning, you may actually remember me talking about how I wanted to have a small pirate, a dwarf pirate. And they say that this is kind of addressing people wanting to change their looks, uh, you know, skin color, eyes, nose, mouth, height, weight, things like that. Uh, they're, they're looking to do that um, in the future. They're, they're looking to get the Ebon Gear and Flintlock into the game somehow. They, I, I don't know why this is, is, I don't know why this is an issue. Uh, I'm sure it probably deals with something far beyond my, my understanding of what goes on when they do these promotional items, but they are looking to get that Ebon stuff back in there, especially the Flintlock, because it's the only one that has the Iron Sight. Uh, they want the Truffle Shuffle in-game, they have to talk to Steven Spielberg apparently to get that. Uh, I would love to have the truffle shuffle as a as a emote dance. That'd be awesome. The missing admiral items. If you remember back in May, they were taking out items that were similar, uh, and I believe the admiral items were some of those. And they said that those are coming back. Uh, let's see. No confirmed plans for more shanties, but they do need to work on being able to select them. They want to add more instruments like the banjo probably. They would like to add rewards for the Kraken and the Meg. Everyone wants rewards or reasons to kill them. That they're, they're working on doing that. And to, to kind of talk about the shanties, because I would love to have more shanties. And right now in game, there's a great system that allows you to pick up on anyone playing a song and sync up with it. You can jump right into anyone else's shanty and start playing it along. My idea is this, every outpost has a music box somewhere. Just like the clothing and equipment crates that you select what you want, 
have the music box be a way to hold shanties. So you can have more than just a standard cycle of shanties. And you can choose up to a certain number of shanties so that when you cycle through them, those are the shanties that you'll only hear. And that way, when they introduce multiple shanties into the game, not everyone's gonna have the same shanties. So if someone were to play uh, We Will Sail Together and you don't have that one because say you don't have that one selected or you're not a pirate legend and have access to it, if they play it, you can jump in and play it. Or Be More Pirate would be a great one to add. But not everyone's gonna have the same ones and having unique pirates know certain songs feels very something like some the people would have they have songs that they know custom or you know they have very particular shanties that they know when they're singing them and not everyone's going to know those songs but being able to pick up on that when you have a certain selection will kind of add some diversity so utilize those uh, music boxes more than just clicking them and having them play music turn them into something to actually have you customize what songs you know as a pirate that's pretty much it as far as the Mixer stream. Again, it was only an hour and they, they covered as many questions as they could while trying to fight skeleton ships. So uh, thank you, Mike, and thank you, Andy, for doing as much as you possibly could. Um, oh, there was one thing that they didn't know about as far as the Gamescom stream that... Uh, was mentioned by Pete when they were doing the San Diego Comic-Con thing. They didn't know uh, any information about that or weren't going to say anything about Spinal uh, possibly being the figurehead for that. I'm still hoping for that. I think that's going to do it. I don't think I got any reviews this week, so I don't have anything uh, to mention as far as that. The I did get one email, but I don't have time to get to it today. I want to try and keep this episode shorter. And with that, if you want to get a hold of me, there are many ways to do it. You can always send me an email, and I will make sure that I get to it. I do read them all, uh, but I wasn't able to read out this one today. It's a long story, and I'll probably use it for next week's captain's log as a first mate's log in this instance. Uh, write me an email. C-A-P-T-L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. You can always reach me on Twitter. That is my preferred method of communication outside of Discord at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. Join the Discord. Links are always in the show notes. Just click the link, download Discord, join the server, and start chatting with other pirates who are looking to crew up, especially in this time when we need more and more people uh, who are willing to do these skeleton battles outside of the normal hours. I've got lots of people here from America, but there's also people from Australia, New Zealand. I've got some folks uh, from the UK as well and Europe. Join in, jump in. I've got Mike from Canada. I, there's someone representing Canada in the Discord. That, that has to be a good thing, right? That's, that's a good thing. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Kill Hall. Pirates, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. As always, I couldn't do it. Uh, I, I probably would do it if you didn't, but I, I, I appreciate it because you're doing it. Um, if you have any questions or comments, let me know. Uh, as always, if you can do a review to on iTunes, that's great because that helps uh, get more pirates that don't know about Sea of Thieves or Keelhaul get an opportunity to hear what's interesting or what's new about Curse Sales. That's going to do it. I'm going to cut it. I'm going too long. Pirates, thank you. I love you, and I hope to see you on the Sea of Thieves.